Hey everyone, welcome back to Sophomore Citizens. I'm Gigi. I'm Liesl. I'm Lily. And I'm Shira. Okay, so getting into today's episode, we obviously have a very special guest today named Shira. And of course, we have to do our tradition with guests and get to know her a little bit better in the segment that we are calling Showing Off Shira. Lily, do you want to introduce Shira a little bit and tell us how you know her and start us off with the first question? I would love to. So Shira and I met our freshman year of college here at the University of Wisconsin-Madison, and we bonded over many things, but one of them being that we are both from California, so we loved having that in common, being so far away from home. And since then, she has become one of my very best friends and my roommate last year and again this year. So I'm really excited that she's on the podcast because she's also an avid listener, so we love having our wise babies with us. So for the first question in showing off Shira, for those of you who don't know, Shira is vegan and has been for quite some time. So my question for you, Shira, is how long exactly have you been vegan and why? Okay, so I started my vegan journey junior year of high school. The first time that I ever went vegan was actually not because I wanted to go vegan, but my friend wanted to for whatever reason, a month before prom, her decisions weren't really ones that I felt connected to, but I was like, yeah, I've actually really wanted to try this out because I have been a nearly lifelong vegetarian, might as well cut out the dairy and eggs. So I went vegan for a month with her, and then due to the summer being right afterwards, I was not vegan in the summer because I was traveling and wanted to experience the traveling foods. But then again, senior year, around January 1st, another friend of mine was like, I also want to go vegan. And I said, great, let me do it again with you. I loved it. I really wanted to go back to being vegan. So again, I went vegan then for four months up until summer where I went to camp, was not vegan, but still vegetarian at camp. And then since then, every year during the school year, I am vegan, other than during the summer where I go back to being vegetarian. I personally love being vegan for all of the reasons you can imagine, environmental reasons, my body feels better, saving the animals, all of the above. That's why I love being vegan, and I am vegan. Wonderful. I also appreciate that, you know, you have the attitude that, like, if over the summer, for whatever reason, that's more convenient, or you're, at the very least, not, like, becoming a hassle to others if others are making you your meals or whatever, you're open to, you know, being a little bit flexible with it. Yes, absolutely. So for those of you who have been listening to the podcast for some time, the topic of shoes comes up quite frequently. So Shira, we are curious to know, what is the favorite pair of shoes that you own? Okay. I have different favorites for different reasons. My everyday go-to will wear with any outfit are my Vans. I have a white pair and a black pair, slightly platformed, because as you do not know me all, I am quite short. So the little platform just adds another level up not too aggressive. Um, I like my white pair better. For some reason, I think they just like look better on my feet, but the black pair, sometimes you got to switch it up. My other favorite pair would be my clogs. 
I love my clogs. For those of you who do not know, they're like the Dansko. Some people will call them nursing shoes. I like to wear them with socks. I like to wear them without socks. I like to wear them with shorts, dresses, jeans, every single thing you could wear. You just slip them on. They're perfect. Those would be my top two, but I love all my shoes. <laughs> Amazing. I love both of those options. Um, and I totally agree that it's fun to try out some funky shoes. And um, I also love Vans. Okay, so the final question in Showing Off Shira is, if you were to have your own podcast, what would it be about? Wow, I love this question. I think my podcast would be about food systems. That is my topic of interest. That is what I'm studying more specifically in school. So just like how you get your food, who grows it, who transport it, why am I purchasing this at the grocery store, at the farmer's market, all of those topics surrounded by food. That would be super interesting. I actually recently heard, um, I was watching a YouTube video. I honestly don't even remember who it was, but they were saying that at a lot of farmer's markets, some of the people there will just go to like the grocery store and buy a bunch of the fruits and vegetables and then bring it to the farmer's market and sell it and like for a higher price and say that they grew it on a, on a farm. And I was like, that's like the biggest conspiracy theory I've never heard of that that would happen. Wow. I have not heard that. I do know, though, specifically with the Madison Farmer's Market, so it's around the capital, usually, not right now, obviously, but everything that is on Capitol Square, like on that block, has to be within a certain radius of Madison, and they know that it was all grown fresh, and then anything that is across the street can be anyone. So maybe that's the differentiation where those people can sneak their way in, but I have never heard of that. That is very interesting. Yeah, so definitely check out your farmer's markets, see what they're actually doing, um, and also just, like, maybe try to chat with the person at that stall and, like, investigate where their farm is and that kind of stuff. That's just a random little tangent. So, Shira... As one of our biggest podcast fans, we wanted to ask you a couple questions about our different episodes and um, what you have enjoyed being a fan of the podcast. Um, Do you have a favorite episode that we've done so far? Yes. So I have listened very thoroughly, as we have said, and I think that my favorite episode would have to be the Polypod specifically because I'm interested in most every topic that is discussed, but when I was listening to that pod, I wanted to interject my opinion so much, and as you guys know, we did have a phone call afterwards so that I could give you all of my opinions, so I think that was the one that I interacted with most and wanted to say my opinions the most. Cool. The second question that we have for you is, do you think that the pod is an accurate representation of Lily's personality? Yes, I definitely think so. I think also sometimes when I'm listening, I say things because I'm responding to Lily, who I think is with me or she's right in front of me. And I think that is her saying them. And then she has to take a second to be like, I have no idea what you're talking about and then realize. So I definitely think it is a great representation of Lily, so much so that I think 
that is a conversation that we are having in that moment. I actually said to Shira and my other roommates the other day that I think it's absolutely absurd that any of them listen to the podcast whilst living with me because I'm like, do you not get sick of the sound of my voice, my opinions, and who I am? But I'm so lucky to have such great friends that apparently I don't bother them that much being with me all the time. And our final question for you, Shira, is have you ever taken any of our recommendations that we give at the end of the episodes? I have not specifically taken them, but I have agreed with some of them. One being our recommendation of Married at First Sight. I am an avid Married at First Sight watcher. And actually the first time at the beginning of quarantine, when I started to watch the season that was on Netflix, I sort of like embarrassingly told Lily that I had watched it because I was like, it's kind of weird that I'm watching this show. And then Lily was like, I love it. Let's debrief everything. And then since then, I have watched nearly every season, but obviously had to save some to watch with Lily. So by saving those ones, I watched every single Married at First Sight franchise. So Honeymoon Island, Couples Cam, there's a whole lot if you've never heard of them, which I will further recommend. Yeah, I didn't know it was a whole franchise. I'm definitely going to have to do some more um, research on that. Um, thank you so much for sharing those things, Shira. And now we will get into our check-in, which I know that Lily and Shira want to talk about. Yes, so our check-in for this episode is just an update on mine and Shira's and everyone's civic duty and registering to vote, all of the sort. So Shira and I both registered to vote in Wisconsin, and we had to print out our forms and take them to the clerk's office, which is somewhere that I have never been in my life, so that was a fun new experience. And then I got a lovely You Registered to Vote sticker. And then I had to go through some Michigas to get my ballot, which I requested absentee. And after submitting a few different forms to prove that I am, in fact, Lily Zoller, they were like, okay, fine, we'll send you your ballot. And then I have not received mine yet, but Shira has, and she got to fill hers out today, which was so exciting. Yes, I got my notification that my ballot was in my mailbox. So I quickly ran downstairs, got the ballot, opened it, read it thoroughly, filled it out. And I just want to say it was a very exciting and liberating moment of I am doing this I have sealed it I'm ready to drop it off at the clerk's office because we don't really want to send it through the mail right now but it was really exciting and I suggest everyone register to vote and if they need help doing so to contact us yeah honestly I am volunteering the sophomore citizens Instagram if you need help registering to vote and you DM the sophomore citizens Instagram I will personally respond to you and help you with it so for anyone who's not following or that is following DM us at sophomore citizens on Instagram and I will help you register to vote because everyone should do it and like Shira said it's such a fun feeling like personally I didn't get to vote in the last presidential election because I wasn't old enough yet but now that I am over 18, it feels so exciting and like such a big girl moment that I actually get to fill out a ballot and like figure out what the stuff means. So it has been a way more fun experience than expected. I'm very excited to vote. I did get the opportunity to vote in the previous presidential election because I turned 18 like three days beforehand. So that was very exciting. Um, but there is something very empowering and liberating about getting to exercise 
our civic duty and getting to feel involved, especially when so many things are happening that feel so out of our control. It is that much more exciting to think like, I have some power in this situation, even as an individual, when we come together, we can create change. Definitely. I also voted in the last presidential election, so this will be my second time voting. Um, This time I'm hoping to vote for the winner. Um, Fingers crossed. Um, Last time I was not that lucky. Um, And I actually saw a TikTok recently about, um, you know, how a lot of adults have been quarantining at home or have moved home for some period of time. People who maybe live in big cities like New York or L.A., states like California and New York that um, are pretty solidly democratic. Um, And it was kind of recommending that people who are living for some period of time in maybe a swing state or a place where um, it's not as democratic leaning, um, that you can actually register to vote um, in that state, maybe where you're from, where your vote will kind of matter a little bit more. And there's actually no Um, length of time that you need to live somewhere in order to register like you could live there for like a week and register apparently Um, once again this is tiktok so not a great source Um, but this is what they said they said that if you are staying for a couple weeks or a couple months or whatever as a lot of people are doing right now then you could possibly register to vote in a state where your vote will matter just a little bit more Um, and i think that politics is something that maybe we will unpack and talk about a little bit more in the future, maybe in some other episodes. Um, But that was a great check-in and I'm so glad to hear that we will all be voting and we hope that all of you listeners will vote as well. So for today's topic, we are talking about something really fun that I'm really excited about, which is crushes. Now we have obviously done the polypod and we recently recorded the polypod part two, Um, where we kind of unpacked a lot of things having to do with relationships, romantic interest, and all of that kind of stuff. But we thought that the specific topic of crushes just had so much to unpack there that we decided that we could dedicate a whole episode to the topic of crushes. Now, for my topic today, I wanted to talk a little bit about the word crush and kind of how we use it and what you girls think about it. I want to first open this up to you girls and just ask, how often do you use the word crush? Do you think that people use it too liberally? Do you think that like there's a very specific definition of a crush or like can you be crushing on someone after day one? I use crush very frequently. I would say it can represent a broad spectrum of emotions within my soul. It could be a passing moment. Like I make eye contact with someone on the street. I'm like, oh my God, I have a crush on them. It could be like, oh my gosh, I'm in love with my best friend. I have a crush on them. You know what I mean? Especially for me, when I feel something really strongly, I tend to add extra like prefixes such as mega crush, ultra crush, mega ultra crush, any of those kinds of additional words to just really emphasize how strongly I'm crushing on that person. And for me, I would say that the feelings of having a crush come very easily for me. 
I agree with Gigi. Crush is always a great word to use. I also think you can have friendship crushes. So it doesn't just have to be like, oh, I have a crush on this person in like a romantic way, but you could have a friendship crush and you can develop a friendship crush so quickly. I feel like you can watch an interview with like a celebrity that you don't know and you can have a crush on them. Yeah. Similarly, like just feeling the crush vibes, that's something that I can catch on to very quickly. I personally don't think that I crush often, but I do use the term crush lightly. So for example, the other day, Lily and I were actually walking down the street and this girl said to me, I really like your outfit. And I said, thank you, of course. And then I turned to Lily and I said, do you think she has a crush on me? So I think I use it more of other people crushing on me rather than me crushing on other people. Whoa, that's a power move um, to be crushed on more than crushing. Um, You're crushing it. Um, Yeah, I love the word crush. I love that you bring up friend crush, Lily, because especially in high school, I feel like, like I would always just walk around and like see other girls that I thought were cool and like be like, I have total friend crush on her. Like I want to be her friend. Um, So that's a great point as well. And I just think crushes are so fun. And personally, to me, it's like a crush can be any level of romantic interest, kind of like what Gigi was saying. Like you could have a crush at first sight or you could have a crush that lasts three years, you know? To me, part of the definition of crush includes like the whimsy of uncertainty about like, you don't really know the person very well yet. Or like there, it's not common that you have a crush on someone who you see day in and day out and that you know all of their flaws and everything about them. Most of the time you have a crush on someone when there's there are some, some blanks that you can fill in with your exact calibrations of who you want them to be to maximize the crush. In my opinion, makes it such a fun stage to be in because you get to like think about it. And like when I think of crushes, I specifically think of like my elementary school crushes, which I very much associate with like when I was falling asleep at night, like getting to think about them and be like, oh, I wonder what they're doing right now. Or like, I just have such a crush on them and filling in those blanks is when your body's like, or at least my body's like, ooh, I love them. I have a crush on them. So that's why I think it's so fun to be in that stage. Totally. Like that feeling of butterflies in your stomach and just like when you see them and you're like, they're so cute. I love them. Um, Okay, so when we were talking about having this topic, I started to really think about the word crush, and I was curious where it actually came from, how this came about, and the answer is pretty interesting. So going back to the early 1800s, um, the phrase that you would use instead of crush was apparently to be spoony on someone or to spoon with a lady which is really funny because obviously that means something completely different now. That doesn't mean to like have a crush anymore. That means to like be cuddling. Um, so I thought that that was kind of interesting that in the early 1800s, the go-to phrase was to be spoony. Then apparently- Wait, okay. I have a question, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Which is, um, that's in America or that's- I'm pretty sure or? that this is in all English speaking- I just ask because I know in England, like, they will say, oh, I fancy that person or, like, they fancy me. And, like, we would never say that. And I don't really think that they use crush. Maybe they do just because of, like, American media. But 
I feel like the, the reason I pointed out is because currently we do have two pretty different words. So I was just curious to know if spoonie was something that they said in England or in America or both. Yeah, I'm not sure about that, but that is a good point that you bring up, Gigi, um, that I have heard the phrase that, that people fancy each other, which to me, it sounds so bizarre. Um, but anyway, so being spoony turned into uh, something else completely uh, later on, I think in the 1900s, where basically, like, what do you eat with a spoon? Maybe you'll eat something mashed. So they started to say mash. So you would like mash on someone or like you had a mash. Like, I don't really know exactly how this was used, but that was apparently the next iteration of to have a crush was to have a mash. And then finally in the later 1800s, early 1900s, somehow mash turned to crush because they're sort of similar activities um, and this is still like highly contested. Like it's really not completely clear how mash turned to crush, but it stuck around. And the first recorded use of the word crush in a romantic sense was in 1884, which blows my mind. Like that's so long ago and we've been crushing ev- ever since then. It's crazy. I think it's important, important to point out that when I think of crushes, something else that comes into mind is a game that um, I used to play when I was younger called MASH, where you write down like the names of your crushes and like other things you could have in your future. And in elementary school or whenever that game was popular, like the people you would pick for your friend to marry were always like their crushes or like other people that someone didn't know they liked. So it's funny that maybe those have nothing to do with each other, but I associate like the height of crushing and mash to be similar. Yeah, that's such a weird coincidence. I also just think it's funny to consider if they've been using the word crush, you know, in some way since the late 1800s, it's just funny to imagine like Obviously, most of our other vocabulary and mannerisms and just general linguistics are quite different from then. So for them to be using a word, like, I don't even know how they talked in the late 1800s, but I feel like it was like, (laughs) (laughs) not like, it wouldn't be like, like, you know, I have a crush on him, you know, the way that we would today. So I just think that's funny to consider. I know. I can't imagine people like in their carriages, like I have a crush. Like that's just so strange. Um, But so obviously also with the word crush, like the other definition of crush is sort of hostile and like you're being crushed. So that kind of has negative connotations. Do you guys think that like the word crush and the way that we use it is also kind of like evoking this idea that like it could go really wrong and you could become like crushed in love because the other person doesn't love you back. I mean, personally, I don't interpret it that way or associate it with that kind of negative being crushed, but I see that interpretation. But for me, that doesn't totally translate, especially because the um, like predominant emotion that I feel is excitement around crushes. And of course, that excitement does oftentimes lead to disappointment, which I guess is the the crushing part of it. But I don't think of it that way, personally. Another way, if to correlate the crush and the crush, 
a crush that you have can be fast and strong, right? It comes on fast. You have a crush. You think about them all the time. Whereas a physical crushing is a strong force movement. I like that interpretation. That's really smart. Um, That like it kind of crushes you all at once. Not necessarily that it's like hurting you, but just that it's happening so quickly. Um, Okay. So I think that that was a fun little introduction into today's topic. And we got to learn a little bit about etymology. Um, So now for our next topic, Shira, would you like to introduce it? Yes. Today, I would love to talk about the concept of fangirling which is a crush that is so deep that you would say have posters of this person, pillows, t-shirts, you maybe you kiss it goodnight every night. You have a crush so hard on someone that you don't even know. All you know about this person is what is publicized to the world. Something else with this is also you have this crush so strong that no one else can crush or go near or even think about this person. So personally, I have never been one to fangirl, but I've had friends that have, and so I've seen it from an outside perspective. I am wondering what your take on this is. Is it healthy? Is it unhealthy? Also further into, say you had a child and you were the parent of a child who was fangirling, fanpersoning, let's say, how would you handle that too? Okay, wow. There are so many things to address here. So I'll just start with my own personal experience with fangirling. Um, I would say it is something that that does come kind of naturally to me, or at least as a kid it did. Um, I had a deep love for Harry Styles um, that I kept a secret. So I didn't have posters. I was very clandestine about my love for Harry Styles. And I think that that only strengthened it. I think that my like love for him was only increased by the the secretive nature of it. Um, And like, you know, I'd watch One Direction interviews. I'd like, you know, just look at pictures of him. I would, I would just like be like, I'm going to marry him one day. And unfortunately that, um, you know, obsessive tendency about it has, I I said, unfortunately, but what I really mean is like, thankfully, (laughs) the obsessive tendency has, has left the chat, but my love for him still remains. And I do still have hope in my heart that I could one day become Miss G, Mrs. Gigi Styles. Um, so I would say that like the, fun around fangirling is something that I have definitely experienced. I don't think it was unhealthy in any way, but that was also just my own personal experience. Like I, I could see and have seen the ways in which it is definitely like teetering on being unhealthy. But I think, I mean, considering I just like probably made my computer background a picture of Harry Styles and would watch some YouTube interviews of him and think about him. Like, I don't think that that's unreasonable for a 13-year-old to, like, you know, daydream about. 
Yeah, it still to this day blows my mind that Gigi had this secret fangirl moment with Harry Styles because being her sister and one of her closest people in her life, I had no idea about this. Like, she hit it so well to the point that, like, if I was, like, being too cool for One Direction, like, making fun of them, like, she would, like, make fun of them along with me and stuff. And, like, it genuinely took years for me to find out that, like, this was even happening. Um, And, like, to the extent that it was happening. See, but this is why. This is why I kept it secret, because I was perceiving judgment from you. And I didn't think you'd understand. I didn't think anyone would understand, you know? Yeah, so. I didn't know about it either. And I similarly was so shocked to find out about this obsession from Gigi. Because I can only think of one other friend that we had in middle school that was, like, really into One Direction. And not only do I think that she low-key got some some flack for it, but second of all, like, I, I just didn't – I knew it wasn't going to be received well if I was outwardly a One Direction fan or a Harry Styles fangirl. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to do everyone a favor and keep this to myself until it's a funny joke. And now here we are. Yeah, and, like, this kind of goes back to why I think I wasn't a fangirl or didn't really have that tendency, like, when I was a kid and teen. Because I just, like, thought I was too cool for all of that. Like – you know, One Direction, like, I was just, like, you know, shitting all over them, just being way too cool, and, like, that's something that, like, I look back on now, and I just think is so lame, like, I should have just, like, let myself be into One Direction or the Jonas Brothers or something, but, like, I just, I just thought that I was above it, and that's something that, like, I think going to what Shira was saying about, like, if we had a kid who was, like, fangirling, like, it wouldn't be something that I would, actively encourage or especially with like really really young kids like I feel like they should be focused on like playing outside and like not focused on celebrities or I don't know um but it's something that like I wouldn't want my child to feel like they would be made fun of kind of like what Gigi felt like like I would want them to feel like it's okay to be like a big fan of something and it's okay to be like really into something you don't have to be like above it or too cool I also think, like, for me, it's hard to, like, have a crush on celebrities or people that I don't know because I feel like I tend to have crushes more on people's personalities and, like, their mannerisms and, like, obviously you can kind of get a sense of that with celebrities, but not as much. Like, you don't really get to know them as people. Um, So celebrity crushes are something that, like, I don't really tend to, like, fall into super hard. Um, but I know that's something we'll also be talking about in a little bit. See, but this is why I was spending my time watching Harry Styles interviews so that I could be learning everything I need to know about him so that one day I could be the best wife that I could possibly be. So I am someone who fangirled very hard. I would, to answer Shira's question, put it on the verge of unhealthy. I had a Zac Efron obsession that was so strong like I can still kind of imagine like I had a deep-seated love in my heart that no one in the world could understand because legitimately it was a connection and a bond and a love that I knew was real and I'm sure that many of the people listening can understand this if you can't it was it was a real like I felt it in my bones I this is so embarrassing to admit. I have cried over him. I have seen everything. I mean, 
there was a thing in my body that was like, he is the one and I am his wife and this is how it's going to be forever. So yes, I have had that. I am proud to say I've only had that once because if I have had that more than once, I can confirm it would be very, very unhealthy. But I do feel that while maybe it wasn't the best in the way that it took up a lot of my time and energy. And I also think that like when he announced, like I remember him announcing a relationship with whoever it was at the time and like it bringing me deep sadness for a very long time, which obviously in retrospect is the most ridiculous thing in the world. But in the moment, I don't think that me feeling so sad and having to go through that was a healthy thing. But I think that to answer the question about if I had a kid and relating all of that back to my own personal experience going forward, I do kind of think that it's shaped me today in like a fun way that I can look back on it and I can understand and I feel that I've maybe been in love once in my life because that's the closest it's ever been. But I don't think that it's something I would discourage in my children because I do think it was like a coming of age activity for me. And I kind of had to go through it to get it out of my system. And there's, there's no way around but through. So no, I would not be worried about my child if they were fangirling, especially like in really in any way, because I think that I've had it the worst anyone's ever going to. But I do understand that it is unhealthy and I would be aware of that and conscious of that while they were experiencing it. To go off of the both crying and parenting aspect aspect of what you were just mentioning. I, as not a fangirl myself ever, have witnessed it. So about two years ago, I was able to go to a Taylor Swift concert for free. And my friend's dad got, got these tickets from work. We had about nine tickets, but only seven of us went. So we had two extra tickets. They were pretty good seats. So what we did was we went to like the very top bleachers, nosebleeds, whatever you call them up there, sought out the biggest fan that we could find, which was this little girl, maybe not so little, maybe 12-ish, wearing her You Belong With Me t-shirt, had all the wristbands, 13, purple, all of the above, with her mother. Gave them these tickets obviously very overjoyed. This was a very kind thing for us to do. I had the privilege of sitting next to this girl and then her mother on the other side. So it was a very close witness to how she acted during this concert. From the second that Taylor Swift stepped onto the stage to the second that she left, maybe even a little after, this girl was sobbing the entire time. That's probably hour and a half, two hour concert, right? And her mother, the whole time, was videotaping her and laughing. And I was just confused because, again, if I had a child that really loved Taylor Swift, I think buying her tickets to a concert is a great gift. But having a video of her crying the whole time made me feel a little uneasy. And maybe this is because I've never felt these feelings before, or I don't know how to handle that. But it was just like, she wasn't enjoying the concert with her daughter. She wasn't present. She was just watching, videotaping to when I don't know when they would ever watch that again. Yeah, this is very interesting. 
I don't, I mean, even as someone who identifies as somewhat of a fangirl, I've never even come close to the hysteria of sobbing for multiple hours. I don't even know, like, what would bring a human being to sob at the sight of someone for that length of time, um, like, just out of pure, like, excitement and love. And it's just tough because, like, I guess as the parent, you're like, wow, like, what a, what a deep level of emotion my child is feeling. And, like, I don't necessarily want to come in the way of that. But also, at what point is that problematic? Because I'm, I'm a little worried for that 12-year-old. I feel like, I guess, ultimately, if it's short-lived, like, if it's a kind of phase, you let your kid do it. But if it starts to go on a little too long, I feel like at a certain point you step in to be like, let's assess where this is coming from, why you have this attachment to this complete stranger, like what it is about this celebrity or this person that is evoking such strong emotion. Yeah. Wow. That's a lot. Um, Thank you for sharing that, Shira. I'm still like processing that information because that's just so crazy. Um, And I also think like, for me, if I had a kid right now, and they um, were really into Taylor Swift, that would be fine. Like, I'd be like, okay, Taylor Swift, like, she's talented. Like, I'm not the biggest fan of her, but that's fine. If my kid was obsessed with Jojo Siwa, I wouldn't be as happy with that. Or even worse, like, let alone, like, okay, the TikTok stars of like, Charlie and Addison, that would be one thing for my kid to be obsessed with. But like, if my daughter was obsessed with, like, all of those gross TikTok boys, like, I would just want to manage that. Like, I wouldn't want that to be happening. And I feel like, you know, it's only getting worse. Like, I just can't imagine that when we end up having kids, if we have kids, that whoever is popular at that time is going to be a good role model, is going to be tolerable at all. Well, that's a really good point, Liesl, that I haven't even thought about is I haven't asked my parents much about what they thought of my Zac Efron obsession, but it was such a big part of my identity that to this day, when we see family, family, friends, people that knew me at the time, there are comments made like, oh, like, have you talked to Zach recently? Like people would make jokes that they knew him, like, you know, and me being a little kid, like would believe it, but definitely the perception of the younger people and like whether or not you like the person that your child is fangirling over if they are fangirling that is a great point that I hadn't even thought about and how there are definitely some people where it's like oh they stand for this great thing and they're nice and normal or like oh they're horrible I can't believe that and how you handle that I cannot imagine Okay, so going off the wonderful topic of fangirling, we also wanted to mention all of our celebrity crushes. So we each came up with a brief list of some celebrity crushes that we have, both boy and girl, and we wanted to share those with you. So Lily, do you want to get started? Yeah, so as I've mentioned, and I'm not going to harp on it anymore, Zac Efron, it was a phase. It's in the past, all my love for him, but this has died. It's just, I would be remiss not to mention the biggest celebrity crush of them all. Now that energy has been put towards my current celebrity crush, who is someone that I see a future with. I think we could be together. He seems attainable. This is none other than Trevor Noah. And being that he is a talk show host, there is hours of 
TV, YouTube videos, etc. that I can watch on him. And I'm really proud of this celebrity crush because this feels like a maturing from the Zac Efron because this is someone where I am crushing on his looks, his personality, his mannerisms. Like, I really like what he stands for, the way that he presents himself, all of that. So that is why I'm saying he feels attainable. You know, this is like a pretty mature crush. Um, so if anyone has connections to Trevor Noah, I know that he's recently in a relationship. This was another one where I was really sad when he, um, announced his girlfriend the other day. But anyways, that is my current biggest celebrity crush. Now, there are two other people that these are kind of random, and I feel like they flare up when I see them. One of which being Ruby Rose, which I know is kind of an overdone female celebrity crush, specifically when she was in Orange is the New Black. Her face is so, so beautiful in my opinion. She's someone that I just want to look at and therefore I'm crushing on. Then my other female celebrity crush is Sophia Bush. And this celebrity crush was born when I watched One Tree Hill, which is a show that I absolutely love. And she was another person who physically I was very attracted to. I think that she is so stunning. And then more recently, the celebrity crush became relevant again because I was informed of her activism and her social media, I think, is really great. So she's someone who, similarly to Trevor Noah, I think she's so beautiful and physically I'm attracted to her, but her being what she stands for, her beliefs very closely align with mine, and I love that she is putting that all out. And then this is a really new celebrity crush. And when I say really new, I mean like two weeks old and it's born on TikTok. And this is not someone who I love for any reason other than I just think he's funny and so good looking, but I, I haven't like really developed or done any discovery with this celebrity crush, but I just need to say that I have a new really big crush on Jason Derulo. And Shira knows this because I keep playing his videos on the TV and I just think he is so cute. And that's just like maybe a future sneak peek as to Lily's next stage because I think that Jason Derulo is so wonderful and great. So those are my celebrity crushes. Beautiful. Shira, I am dying to know your celebrity crushes. Okay, so as I have mentioned, I'm not one to crush often or crush hard. So thinking about these was a little difficult for me. But my first two were easy right away. But let's keep in mind they're a little old. Um, I would like to describe my first one as maybe more like a middle school boy crush or when we were in middle school, this is who boys were crushing on. And that is Mila Kunis. I think first off, she is the most beautiful person in the entire world. I also like love the way that she talks and just expresses herself. Um, also her family relationship with Ashton Kutcher, I think is great. If she can't be with me, Ashton, have at it. So that is one that will forever be there, probably started in middle school and will always be there for me. My next one, also a middle school found one, Michael B. Jordan. Starting with Friday Night Lights, you could have been a Matt Saracen fan, you could have been a Tim Riggins fan, but once Michael B. Jordan entered that screen, he had my heart. Ever since Vince, was he? I think. I have no idea. I was really trying to come up with it. I think it's Vince. But ever since then, moving on, 
I mean, Fruitvale Station, obviously an incredible movie. Black Panther, I love to see him wherever he goes. From there, my next ones, I would say, are more talent crushes, but also great, beautiful human beings. Alicia Keys, I am a diehard fan. I don't listen to a variety of music, but I know every single Alicia Keys song by heart. Throw it at me. Neo is another one of these. (laughs) I am obsessed with Neo. I think every single song, again, I can say every word. He's a great looking human being also, but it's really, he speaks to me through his music. Okay, Gigi, your celebrity crushes. Yes. So as I previously mentioned, obviously Harry Styles has had a special place in my heart through the years. Um, I would say another one of mine, which is kind of cliche, Brad Pitt, whether it's, you know, 90s, early 2000s Brad Pitt, or it's Once Upon a Time in Hollywood Brad Pitt. Like, I just think he is such a looker, you know? Um, And my final male celebrity crush actually no i'm gonna choose two one is chris martin lead of coldplay i think he's so cute and funny and goofy and great and then my other one is um justin timberlake because i love that he can be funny he can dance he can sing he is just like an all-around seems like a great guy to have around you know what i mean Then my two female celebrity crushes, one is Peggy Goo, who is a DJ. She dresses really well. She makes great music. She's hilarious. Like I've seen a few videos of her on YouTube where she's just super funny and awesome. And then my other female celebrity crush is Alexa Chung, um, who is a little bit like, you know, less mainstream in, in some circles but she's another person who I think is just very like stylish she's funny she's spunky she's got a great personality love her so that those are my celebrity crushes amazing so I had trouble narrowing it down but these are just a few a small sample of some of my celebrity crushes Um, my first is Chad Michael Murray When I was a wee little girl, I went and saw another Cinderella story or a Cinderella story, first one with Hilary Duff and Chad Michael Murray, and I fell in love instantly. I mean, like if Chad Michael Murray had been at the level of Zac Efron, like I would have fangirled to the point that Lily did. I just feel like he wasn't out there as much, but he was my first celebrity crush and will always have a special place in my heart. Um, Another one, um, my celebrity crush in high school was Joseph Gordon-Levitt. I love the movie 500 Days of Summer. I think that's such a cute movie, and I just really liked his character and thought he was really cute. And my last um, boy crush is Ezra Koenig, who's the lead singer of Vampire Weekend. And I just love Vampire Weekend. I love a musician. I just love, like, a guy on stage with a guitar. Um, and I just think he's really cute. He also apparently dated Tavi Gevinson, who is like basically my age. So I kind of feel like that's attainable and, you know, um, I'm pretty sure he's married with a child now, but whatever. And then my girl crushes, my first one is Lily James. When I saw her in Mamma Mia, Here We Go Again, I was just like, I want to be her. Like she is everything in Greece. She's so cute. She seems so likable. Like I want to be friends with her. 
And my other girl crush is on Phoebe Tonkin. Um, so obviously, if you've seen the show H2O, you might know her as Clear. Um, and so on that show, like she wasn't really like the pretty one or like the popular one. So I feel like she's really had a glow up. And then she has dated so many like legit people. She dated Stefan from Vampire Diaries. She dated Joseph Gordon-Levitt. She dated Chuck from Gossip Girl. And she dated Draco Malfoy. Like, she has been all over the place. And I just kind of, I respect her hustle and her game. And I think she has cool style and she's really beautiful. So those are my celebrity crushes. And I'm so glad to have heard all of yours. I was surprised by some and some were really um, obvious, but I loved it. And now we will be going into Lily's topic. So Lily, do you want to tell us what you want to talk about today? Yes. So my topic is about having a type. And obviously, I think this is a pretty well-known thing. You like a person that looks a certain way, or you tend to have crushes on people with a certain personality trait. You know, common question, what is your type, my type is, etc. And the reason that I bring this up is because I've been thinking about this specifically because one of our other roommates and dear friend Jordan, who was on a recent episode of the podcast, recently told me that I am known for having a type and never pursuing any man of that type. And I hate to admit that she is entirely right. Um, I am someone who thinks I have a type. That being said, I don't act on that type very often. And so it kind of calls into question whether having a type is entirely bogus, whether this is just a me issue, or anything of the sort. So I would like to get everyone's preliminary thoughts, please. So as a lifelong friend of Lily, I can confirm her type can be described in two words, which are racially ambiguous. She has, through the years, really had a love for those guys that you're like, what? What is his racial background? Who knows? You got to ask him and find out, you know, what different percentages of his ancestry, all of that. Um, I do think, though, when it comes to having a type, it's, for some people, a little bit more difficult to acknowledge it in, like on your own whereas like as you had said like, you have friends that have been like Lily you clearly do have a type and like as your friend I feel like you have a type my roommate Carly who I've mentioned a couple times on the podcast is without a doubt like the most likely person to like have a type follow through on her type just if he has sun fried hair and looks like he sleeps on a mattress on the floor her head is turning 180 spin around who is that i must have him so i would say that like you know having a type is definitely a thing it's definitely a common thing i wouldn't personally say that i have a type but i feel like maybe people in my life would be like Gigi, you do have a type you know what i mean i agree with that i would normally class myself classify myself as typeless or if someone were to ask me, I wouldn't really know the words to describe. But over the recent years, I have realized both from introspective work and also people telling me there is a type. There are common similarities between these groups of people. And so now I am starting to more understand what my type would be. 
I also think it's really interesting that my type for males and females are not the same. There are definitely similarities across, but like for men, facial hair is a very strong type of mine. Obviously for women, that doesn't cross over. And I think some of the similarities maybe that facial hair goes into is outdoorsy, you know, comfortable, ready to climb a mountain type of type, but I can't just overarch a type for both genders. I would say that I kind of have a type, but I try to be as open as possible. And I think that like a lot of people get really pigeonholed in what they think their type is. And I think that that can be really dangerous because you can miss out on so many other opportunities that you're just not even like looking for. Um, And I think that like, even when it comes to like physical looks, you know, music taste, personality, like there's so many things that people think that they want in a partner, but then in reality, like none of us really know what is best for us, especially some of these more like superficial qualities And I feel like people in general should like be more cognizant of being open. And the more that you tell yourself you have a type, the more you have a type, you know, like if you try to tell yourself, like, I'm open to all different types, the more open you will be, you know? I feel like if I had to classify a type for myself, which is pretty general still, is going back to facial hair, the goofy confidence. Like, I feel like that's really something that I'm attracted to. And historically, I've associated with that with a specific look. And so I feel like in that way, I find myself drawn to a similar, like, physical, aesthetic, superficial look, like I had said. Um, But then that person turns out to suck most of the time. And so I feel like I've sort of done myself dirty in that way of like, I need to be a little bit more open-minded and return to the pure goofy confidence and not get sidetracked by the, what I have historically associated that with physically. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think that makes sense. And I also think it's worth saying, we learned about this in one of my classes, that Having the opposite of a type, so like being like, oh, I'm not into blank guys or girls is very problematic. And I just want to take this time to say that we absolutely do not stand for that. And we're not publicizing people having a type and stereotyping or any of that. And that that is harmful behavior that should not be shown ever. But I do think that this raises an interesting question about types, which is that do you think having a type is more about the physical appearance or about the personality traits? Because for me, I can name them both and I don't know exactly what I see more as my type. I think for me, the physical attributes go into the personality traits. Also, like Gigi was saying, the facial hair, maybe a mustache, quarantine mustache, if you will, goes into a more goofy type of confidence, which is a personality trait. And then I also think that rustic, for me personally, the rustic, bearded, maybe longer hair goes into the more let's go camping and let's live in a van. Absolutely. That makes sense. Yeah. And I think that like it's less black and white as far as like physical versus like personality 
because like what Shira is saying, like personality and physical have this overlap area. So I kind of feel like there's like your genetic traits of like what you look like and that's just a fact. And then there's like the way you present yourself. And I feel like most of the time when people have a type, they're talking about like the way that people present themselves, which I do think is very telling of someone's personality because that's how they want to show themselves to the world. You know, so I think that like, when when people talk about having a type, it does skew a lot more physical, even if that is like representative of their personality. I feel like this is slightly unrelated, but I feel like it's all the more exciting when you find yourself like crushing on someone who's not usually your type. You're like, whoa, this person really came out of nowhere and is surprising me with how much I feel like I'm crushing on them right now. You know what I mean? Yeah. That is very fun. I totally know what you mean. And I I see that in myself all the time. As I said, I'm someone who claims that my type is one thing, but I have been known to stray, which maybe is discrediting this whole type thing as a whole, but I don't know. And I'm curious to know from all of you girls, what would be like the number one personality trait or quality that you guys think you look for? Okay, I'm ready with this answer because Gigi asked me this this summer and it took a lot of thinking, but I'm ready because I've done that thinking this summer. Mine is like pure kindness, good soul, good human, good intention. So like, I don't want to say nice because that's boring and I don't want to say kind because that's also like overused, but I just want like a a good heart. Yeah, Lily, I would identify very similar to you. I would say like, compassionate or caring or kind or like like what you're saying just having like a good heart and a good soul I feel like is the quality that I personally look for the most um but then I also think like having like being funny and like having a good sense of humor to what I think is funny is also super important um because like how do you even have conversation with someone who isn't like funny or entertaining or like is able to have banter with you you know I would say the number one personality trait that I'm attracted to, not to be confused with what I actually think I would be best suited for like in a long-term relationship, simply just like what I'm most attracted to is spunk. I don't want to say the generic, basic, kind, nice, caring type, but I definitely think, yeah, let's say caring. Caring is very important, caring for my feelings, caring for their feelings together, but off of that also adventurous, I would say, or just like ready to do things. And then Liesl, going off of the funny, what my mother has always said to me in any relationship, in any seeking out relationship, she has always asked, do they make you laugh? are they funny? Because her number one thing is if they don't make you laugh, how can you withstand a relationship with them? Because just happiness and fun and laughing is the most important part to her. So totally. I don't even, I I don't even understand like what a friendship or relationship is if there is no laughter and no fun. Like how is that valuable? I don't, I don't understand. I know. And I have a friend actually who like will actively say that she doesn't think she's funny. Um, And like, I can understand why she doesn't think she's funny because she's not like 
a stand-up comedian or someone who's going to be like cracking jokes left or right but like she makes me laugh and I make her laugh so like it's more about like finding the right sense of humors that match up um as opposed to being like generically funny or like conventionally like a comedian um okay well I think that that was really fun and we would love to hear from our listeners some of the things that they um look for so feel free to comment on Instagram or DM us or email us sophomorecitizens at gmail.com and let us know your thoughts on this and Gigi would you like to round us out with your topic yes so on the theme of crushes my question that I would love for us to all explore is is it okay to have a crush on someone while you're in a relationship and I think that to fully address this we need to talk about what you know constitutes a crush where does it become inappropriate is it not okay at all so I would love to hear some thoughts on this general topic I say yes initially maybe after more conversation I will take this back but it goes back to what we were saying for in the first segment of this episode in Liesl's topic specifically as I mentioned, I think friendship crushes are a very real thing. I don't think a crush is inherently romantic. And so I think that in terms of what constitutes a crush, I think it's something to do with admiration and like some sort of fascination with a person. And I don't think it always has to be anything more than that. So I absolutely think you can have a crush on someone who's in a relationship. I don't necessarily think it's inappropriate. Obviously, I can recognize that it's very easy for that to rise to a level that is inappropriate and I do not like approve of or stand for cheating. So I'm not saying any of that. But I think that if I were in a relationship or if I was crushing on someone who was in a relationship, I don't see inherent issue in that. But I'm willing to accept that obviously issue could arise pretty quickly. I think if we take a moment to just talk about romantic crushes, the line is drawn if the crush is obtainable or not. So say me in a relationship right now was crushing on Mila Kunis. Okay, I appreciate her. I think she's beautiful. I will love to look at photos for all the time. She's beautiful. Listen to her talk. But I am not going to catch up Mila Kunis and, like, marry her right now. That just doesn't seem attainable right now. Maybe if I enter her scene later, it will be. But if I, say, was in a class with someone and I was crushing on them and actively pursued maybe to study with them, whatnot, I think that draws the line of further into not necessarily cheating yet, but more of an inappropriate crush. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, I have seen relationships go down because crushing was happening outside of the relationship. Um, I think it's such a real thing. I think especially in long distance relationships, um, you know, when the two parties are interacting with different people and getting to know different people and maybe spending more time with other people, I feel like especially then the relationship is very vulnerable to crushes kind of coming in because you're not physically with your partner. Um, and I think that that can be really detrimental to relationships that are, you know, trying to be monogamous. Um, obviously, as we talked about a little bit in the polypod, 
you know, it's natural for crushes to kind of come up or for feelings to kind of pop in. And um, a lot of people, you know, who are polyamorous kind of view relationships in a different way. And I think that that's um, totally awesome. But I think that like, for me, um, it would be difficult to be in a relationship and know that like my partner was like having a legitimate crush on someone else. Like, I think that that's would be really harmful. Um, but I also think like when people are married for 50 years, like you're really telling me like you haven't looked at other people, you know, like it's totally natural. But I think, Shira, like with what you're saying of how attainable the crush is, like that definitely plays a huge factor in it. Um, and when like the person that you're crushing on, if you're in a relationship, is a friend, like that just gets into really, really tricky territory as far as like how to deal with that. If you're in a relationship and you start to crush on someone else, um, I don't know like what the best approach to deal with that would be. Like, do you just have to like force yourself to stop hanging out with them? Like, how do you handle that? Or do you break up with your partner? Like, I just feel like it gets super tricky if you start to actually like develop feelings for someone else and you're like torn. Right. I was just going to speak on what you had said, Liesl, like a legitimate crush. And obviously this has to do with attainability as well to a certain extent. Like if this is a viable option of someone that you could, like if that person's not in a relationship and you could become in a relationship with that person, then it does become, you know, slightly inappropriate, I would say. But I think also like there's a difference between thinking someone is good looking or or like Lily had said, having some level of like admiration for someone that isn't impeding your genuine relationship with a real human being that you have like so much love for. Like I think that when it is such a low level crush of just like, I think they're so cute and like I have a little crush on them. I think that that can be okay so long as it's not um, – like creeping its way into like real thoughts about that person or like a desire to actually pursue it. Um, and as you're bringing up, Liesl, especially in a, in a like lifelong marriage, I think it's very natural to have those kinds of crushes on people. But again, I think it gets to a potentially unhealthy place when it is something that you want to act on or something that is like, you know, maybe because something in your current relationship isn't isn't satisfying your needs or who knows what the reason could be. But I think that like, if something like that does come up, it's sort of a red flag for what in me is responding so strongly to this other person that I'm not in a relationship with? Is it an indication that something is wrong in my current relationship? Or is it that this person is triggering something in me that I need to like, you know, reflect on or or investigate. So I think that like if true genuine feelings for someone comes up while you're in a relationship with another person, I think it's definitely time for some serious self-reflection to assess like is this something that I need to take some time to myself and maybe not be in a relationship with anyone for a little bit to like see what's going on or is it something that you just wait out and then it passes and, you know, you can maintain your, your current relationship without any issues. Okay, great. Let's get into the recommendations for today's episode. Lily and Shira, what are your recommendations? Okay, so my recommendation goes off of one of my crushes, actually. 
today alicia keys dropped a new album titled alicia it's on spotify i'm sure it's on other platforms as well i am a number one alicia fan as i have stated she was supposed to have a concert or a tour actually this past summer which i was debating whether or not to skip school for and go to but I just love her and I think everyone should give it a listen. I haven't listened all the way through yet, but would love to discuss more with anyone that has further questions once listened. Awesome. I can't wait to listen. My recommendation for this episode is for anyone over the age of 21 because it is an alcoholic beverage, but it is a hard sparkling tea called Loverboy. And I love Loverboy for a few reasons. First of all, the packaging is so cute. Like, it comes in a little can. Think, like, sort of White Claw, but not. Um, And it has flowers, and it's pink, and it's very cute, and there's multiple flavors. We've only tried, I say we, me and Shira, have only tried the white peach flavor, which was so good, but we are excited to try the other ones. So if anyone has tried any of the other ones and you want to let us know what our next flavor should be, we are wanting to do that. But I also love this because a reality show that Gigi Liesl and I watch, one of the people on the show created it. So it was kind of cool to get to see them on TV and then try their drink. So it tastes wonderful, the packaging, all of it. So cute. Highly recommend you try Lover Boy if you can find it. And Kyle and Amanda, if you're out there listening and you want to sponsor us, we would love to be sponsored by Lover Boy. And Gigi and I haven't had the chance to try it yet. So um, if you want to send us some free samples, we're totally open to that. Okay, so this was a great episode. Thank you, Shira, for being a lovely guest. You had so much great stuff to share and we loved having you on. Thank you for listening to Sophomore Citizens, the podcast by young people for young people with new episodes every Monday. So we'll see you wise babies then. Also, follow us on Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube at Sophomore Citizens and make sure to leave a five-star review.